welcome back to the Classic Gamers Guild podcast. I am here with uh, Paul, as always. Hello, Paul. Hello, mate. How are you doing today? I'm lovely. How How are you? Doing well, thank you. I'm actually great, in fact, because we have a guest that I've been wanting to get on the show for quite some time. Uh, he is one of the developers at uh, Infamous Quest that made Quest for Infamy and Order of the Thorn. And he also just kickstarted a new book, The Sierra Adventure, The Story of Sierra Online. The Kickstarter has been out for a couple of days and has already smashed through the goals. So congratulations, Sean Mills. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Love listening to you guys, so happy to be here. Thank you very much. Um, so at the time of recording, uh, just before, I should say just before recording, because it's probably gone up since, you were at twelve over $12,000 of your initial um, almost $7,000 goal. I mean, this is Canadian dollars. It's probably different in Australian. I don't know what the translation is. But you've got like 28 days left on that, and you're already almost double what you were trying to reach. Yeah. It's um a little bit of a little bit of a shock. I, I expected it. To, I, I expected it to fund. I'll be honest, because I yeah. know there's a lot of interest in Sierra, and I wasn't asking for a great deal of money in the grand scheme of things. But um, yeah, it, it actually six hours it funded in. Six hours. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I I launched it at about eight o'clock in the morning my time, and uh, yeah, it was by two o'clock in the afternoon it was done. So. <laughs> That's that's actually especially impressive if it was eight a.m. your time because a lot of us yeah. lot will probably sleep in here. So you, you got a lot done yeah. before you woke up. Look, the um, uh, a lot of Americans backed at that time, but I missed Europe and the UK. A lot of people were asleep, um, and our top tier of um, Laurie and Corey Cole of Quest for Glory fame, uh, they are autographing some copies and they went and so i've had a few emails from like europeans going ah really wanted that (laughs) don't know about that yeah (laughs) that's all right i'm happy they've gone there (laughs) oh yeah yeah i mean it was uh i think the appeal of it was it was going to be very limited which wasn't too limited there's like 40 copies up for grabs and uh but exactly yeah Mm. just completely gone i was i was really it was impressive for sure yeah, so I've uh, got some new, <laughs> there'll be a new autographed copy coming out on Monday. Uh, Josh Mandel will be signing some copies. That'll be a limited run as well. Oh, nice. Um, and I love Josh. He's one of the best guys I've met. He's been such a great help with this book. Um, interviewing for it twice. He was actually the first person I interviewed for it. Oh, great. And that was really, yeah, so that was really exciting and he uh, gave me some contacts and some leads to find people. Because, you know, when you're, when you're a fan, you know the names on the boxes and maybe yes. a couple more. You know, the, the Mark Sieberts of the world who composed the music for so many of their games. So you sort of know some of those names, but you don't know the people who actually do the work. I shouldn't right. say that, but, you know, the people who actually, you know, <laughs> the the artists and the... Um, you know producers and all that sort of stuff so he really gave me a lot of leads there and um, he's been he's read the book early and he's given me notes on it and um, he's doing some promo stuff for me so yeah he's he's absolutely fantastic Um, yeah really good guy yeah i met him uh, i met him just a couple weeks ago at uh, pax actually uh not not Ah, not officially pax yeah not officially pax but just like sort of a pax after party and uh he uh he showed up i had a i had a very quick conversation but yeah he's a super cool guy uh, really funny, really nice. Um, you know, he takes the time to talk to anyone. 
Uh, and it was, yeah, he's a, he's a really good guy. Mm. And he designed my favorite Sierra game in Freddy Farkas. So, ah, uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't go wrong with that one. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of curious, um, where did you, where did the idea to put this book together come from? Like what, what drove you to, to fabricate this, make it, make it a reality? Like how long ago have you been working on it? Uh, it really, it's been floating around in my mind for, for years that mm -hmm. I've just wanted to know how Sierra happened. And you read a lot of interviews and, you know, Ken Williams has been interviewed many times over the years and told the same stories about, you know, this is how Mystery House happened and King's Quest and, you know, that sort of stuff. But, and they're, they're fairly commonly known stories, but then you, you don't really get a grasp of the whole breadth of the company because I was really impressed when I went back and looked and this was just this was before I came up with the idea of doing the book I just really appreciated that every King's Quest game generally had a new innovation in computers not just in you know in games as well but in computers you know CD-ROM technology the first ones to go to 256 colors and sound cards in King's Quest 4 and all that sort of stuff and I just like that's really fascinating. What drove what was it? The was Roberta designing these games so advanced that they needed to develop the technology, or was the technology there and they're like, no, we need to showcase this and then plug it. So you know those sorts of questions. And then I, I just looking around everywhere for information on it, and there was nothing around. So I thought, well. I'm a journalist by trade, so you know I, I paid oh. a lot of money for my degree. So <laughs> I should I should actually use it for something because I don't work in the work in the industry. I do some reviews and a bit of this and that, but you know I don't generally work in the industry. So I thought, well, let's just I'll just write the book myself. So I did. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you got some really cool. uh, you got some really uh, iconic names here. You have uh, Al Lowe, the Coles, Mark Crow. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Josh Mandel, as you said, uh, uh, and yeah, Mark Siebert. I'm just look, looking at the list right here. These are just like some uh, uh, a lot of names of people that are obviously huge and big parts of a lot of our childhood. But uh, I, I can't mm -hmm. think of very many sources uh, previous to your book where they've really gone on to, to give their in-depth story about working at Sierra. Like I'm sure they've done podcasts. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they've done uh, a few articles. But to actually have like a, a full book that kind of covers comprehensively their experience uh it's also the first time i've really seen uh uh gruka Sinkalsa really uh be able to tell his story on this yeah garuka was brilliant i um really enjoyed that interview and you know sometimes you guys would understand this you, you know you interview people and sometimes they're good sometimes you know you've had a good time but sometimes it just hits the zone and it's just really brilliant yeah and garuka's interview is one of those he just <laughs> He is so passionate about life, but also really passionate about the games and the era that they worked in. And uh, the work that he did as a producer and just getting a grasp in my own mind about what the producer's role was. And he was the only producer and then the first producer um, at Sierra for a long time. So there was a, oh, he was just, he was brilliant. There's a, there's a lot of little stories that didn't actually make the book out of that interview because they're not sort of relevant to the story, but um, 
Yeah, he was great. And that's um, back to Josh Mandel for a sec. He's actually, Garuka's one of the first people that Josh recommended. And mm. as you said, Garuka's not really ever talked about it. Um, and there's a few people like this that didn't leave Sierra in the best um, way. Yeah. <laughs> they might have been hurt or burnt out or, you know, all sorts of different reasons. And uh, Garuka was one of those. And um, so it's really good to get that story. It's yeah. really good to just have a chat and find out what's going on. And he sent me the loveliest um, email probably six months afterwards because I used, uh, you may not be aware, but um, on Adventure Gamers, the um, review website for Adventure Games, which I write for sometimes, they released a series of articles a little while back that I wrote about Sierra. And there was four or five articles there. And uh, I did quote Garuka in a couple of those. Um, same source material that I used for the book. And um, he was, yeah, he sent me the loveliest email just saying how it was really nice that I actually explained it in the first time he'd ever seen that the production of a game was explained properly, not just right. the rose-coloured version that people see yeah, uh, or people sort of think. Uh, I think because Sierra was so, um, yeah, I, I think because Sierra was so good at advertising itself and making the players feel like part of the family you know they would include the pictures of themselves you know it's roberta at the end of the king's quest game saying hey sorry you died would you like to restore yes, that's right uh you know it's mark and scott together are the two guys and they're actually characters in the space quest games you know there's plus then the the magazine all that sort of stuff you really found out about these people so but that's the that's the nicified version of everything because that's they're selling a product at the end of the day. So they're selling, you know, the nice family, yeah. we're a happy Disney type family, Magic Kingdom type thing. So to find the truth of that and then to have someone like of Garuka's status um, say to me, oh, look, you actually nailed it. That's exactly what it was like. I'm like, yeah, I can take these articles further and develop the whole book out of it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think the only time that I really had heard anything from Garuka was was in the what you wrote for Adventure Gamers. Was it called like Sierra Compendulum or something? Sierra Retrospective. That yeah, I I wrote those. Uh, that series of articles for Adventure Gamers about Sierra is actually the reason that um, that they were the sort of the, the first step of the book. Um, I had the book in mind by this stage, but. I need. I just wanted to get something out there to see if I actually had the ability to put a book together. So that's why those um, that's why those articles happened. Mm -hmm. When whenabouts was this? I did those in 2017, I think. So a couple of years ago now. Oh, okay. Because yeah. uh, yeah. I'll be a. That'll probably be a really interesting perspective because uh, of the fact that you yourself are a game designer. Uh, and have had uh, a number of years and a couple of and several games uh, under your belt by the time uh, this came around. So it would be a very interesting perspective to hear uh, the story of Sierra co coming from somebody who has actually uh, had experience in the field. Yeah, it, it's um, it is interesting because I guess I've got my own preconceived notions of how to build a computer game after you know the four or five that we've made over the years. So. Then to go back and think and look at how they made games in sort of the golden era of adventure games, anyway, um, how much easier we've got it. And, I mean, we're 
we're a two-band show it was you know a two-man band me and steve and mm. you know we have a lot of other people work with us but it's always me and steve plus other people depending on the game so um it's yeah it's really interesting um i i don't know how they i don't know how they did it i don't know how they got games to work yeah just from start to finish i i just, I, I know it i've researched it i don't know how they went from just ideas to physically sticking a game in a box and sticking it on a shelf. I, I, it boggles my mind that they were able to do it based on the technological limitations right. at the time. Yeah, so. it's it's really mental to kind of sit and think that they, they were forcing, like you know, the first King's Quest, let's say, like forcing that on a on a computer with software that that isn't even really designed to make games. You know, just trying to, to mm. sneak and squeeze it, uh, this, you know, game-like structure into a computer that's not even built for that yet. It was nowadays there's dozens of engines yeah. and things like that. With regards to King's Quest, one of, one of the really cool things that I got to do was talk to Doug McNeil. Now, people may recognize his name as uh, him and his brother Ken designed Gold Rush for Sierra. Right, uh, Which yeah. was one of their sort of one-off titles. But Doug was an artist for Sierra right back from King's Quest 1. And he's the one who drew all those backgrounds in the first King's Quest game. So I, and he, like Garuka, is another one that has just never really speaks to people. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually had, I didn't even ring him on the computer, you know, by Skype or whatever. I had to ring him on the, on the cell phone and have the chat that way. So it was really, it was really great just to chat to Doug and find out exactly how they used to do it and, the lockdown that they were in for the original King's Quest, because most people are probably aware if they know about Sierra, that it was one of IBM, the PC Junior's launch titles was King's Sorry. Quest. And uh, IBM paid Ken Williams this bucket of money, said, make this game. And Ken's like, well, can I keep the engine afterwards? And they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. Probably a big mistake um, <laughs> on their part. And... He gets people like um, like Doug and uh, Mark Crow did a bit of work on King's Quest as well in the animating and all that sort of stuff. And they were locked in basically a room and they had a name that IBM were calling the PC as far as they were concerned, which was... Now most people know that one of the code names was Peanut, but theirs was a different name. It was like Cashew or something like that. Right. And that was actually IBM's trick every development group had a different name for it. So when it got leaked, they knew which group it came from. Oh, right. So fascinating. Just a great little idea in the secrecy of that. Do you get that nowadays? I don't know. I don't think so. Because um, they were competing obviously, with a very big Apple II at the time. So Yeah. But, yeah, talking to Doug, the, the, amount, of, um, the amount of work he had, he's actually the person who developed the i the way of implementing the three-dimensional look of people being able to you know characters being able to walk behind a tree or in front of a tree type thing roberta had the idea but they couldn't work it out and doug's like uh sort of worked it out on graph paper said well if we call these areas priorities and we do this and this and that's how we'll get it done so it was it's fascinating just the I wouldn't even think of that when I make my games. I'm just like, oh, well, that's a walk behind. We just colour in that tree and bang, he walks behind it. If he's <laughs> above it, if he's not, he doesn't. I don't. I never thought about it 
and to have him sit there and explain we did it on this massive plotter and i actually drew out the grid at the proper 320 by 200 resolution or whatever it was and <laughs> I, I drew it all out and then and then grafted it's like man wild west stuff <laughs> yeah so. yeah they're creating things before the, the rules were put in place for them to be created definitely definitely pioneers in that regard i was wondering mate do you have um because you talk to so many people from sierra so many alumni and, and kind of legends at least to people like us do was there any like uh i'm sure there was but could you pick maybe a favorite or two like outstanding shocking story that you heard from anybody <laughs> um there's a couple of stories that i heard that i'm not allowed to print um, so that was interesting um and obviously i won't I, I won't mention those but i'll say that that did happen um there was uh, probably the other one that i don't know too much about was in the late mid to late 90s there was a lot of non-disclosure agreements about how badly some projects went that staff were forced to sign that are still in effect today so I, those people wow. mentioned them but um i and i tried i tried to dig on that but i just couldn't <laughs> get anyone to crack yeah I, you know i don't want them to they're breaking the law if they do right. not that i think activision as the owner today would actually care but um still they're you know completely right uh most interesting most interesting people I think I spoke to are the ones I enjoyed the most for different reasons. Uh, the fanboy in me loved speaking to Al Lowe the most. Yes. I'd never spoken to Al and he is brilliant and so funny. I actually interviewed him twice because the first interview <laughs> just went so off track <laughs> that I was looking through my notes. Of it. After I transcribed it, I was looking through my notes about it and I thought, oh, my goodness, this is – I've missed everything about, like, Larry 5, 6, and 7 and, uh, you know, major chunks of the educational stuff, the Torrens Passage. I'm like, oh, my goodness. It was a great interview. Enjoyed it and got a lot of great stuff. Uh, but, yeah, so Al Lowe was great. He was great to talk to. The twice I talked to him. Mm -hmm. uh, very funny stories. Very um, – he was very, very honest about um, the way Sierra ended um, to me and actually put it into perspective and gave me some, like, dollar figures on how much it affected him. Oh, wow. Al gave me some, yeah, some, some really some numbers just for my information. Um, that's not stuff I'll print, but he just gave me just how much it impacted the, um, the community mm -hmm. of, of Oakhurst and... Uh, you know the wider wider community in that area of california so many of the people lived there of course and uh, even up in seattle when they're up there so yeah that was really great but also really you know really funny as well and that's an authoritative figure he's been at sierra since you know the really really early days so it was great to get that perspective of those people that have been there the entire length of time yeah um Another one was when I spoke to Ken Williams, we were talking about the uh, Atari crash of, uh, you know, the video game crash of North America, as it's officially right. called, I suppose, in, uh, was that 82 or 83, around there somewhere. And we were talking about that because that was a real turning moment in Sierra's history as well. And uh, he was 
Al Lowen told me this story. He said that um, in the morning he got to work and there was 120 employees, and in the afternoon after he'd been fired, uh, he there was 40. Mm. And Al was one of those that um, took the option to just work from home and get sort of royalties or you know payments at you know different points of the process instead of getting like the weekly wage or whatever he would get you know you get a payment when it's complete you get a payment when it's workable and all that sort of stuff so um that's what ken had to do but then i used that story and when i was talking to ken williams he said uh, it was really emotional that it was a, that was one of the hardest things he's ever had to do in his life right is fire that many people and i just that's that put a real humanity to the whole thing as well because mm-hmm. he said, you know, we've we've encouraged these people to come up, move to Oakhurst, and then, you know, they've settled, the kids, you know, they might have met people, they've bought houses, their kids are in school, and then suddenly they don't have a job. And Oakhurst doesn't have any other employment or didn't really. There was the phone company. That was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the two biggest employers in town in that era was Sierra and the phone company. Um, and funny story, the the... Sierra buildings now are owned by the phone company <laughs> and yeah so there's there's that sort of stuff um you know that was really emotional some of the funniest stories I got were from John Williams which is Ken's younger brother and John was in charge of he was employee number three and he was marketing manager marketing director I actually don't know what his official title was he, he did basically all of the marketing and uh, promotion and stuff at first and then as the company got bigger sort of specialized in different bits he was in charge of things like the interaction magazine and all that sort of thing okay um but some of the stories some of the stories he told me like there's a great one which is in the book of uh they used to have a lot of reps come into town when it was you know sierra had become quite successful at the stage they used to have a lot of you know computer company come into town and you know, try to rep things. Can you sell your products on our discs? And, you know, that sort of thing. And so Ken would wine and dine them and, you know, uh, you know, enjoy their company, but pretty much knew what he wanted to do. It gets this uh, one guy comes into town. He's a disc disc seller. And they had no intention of ever buying these discs, but they took <laughs> him out and got him absolutely. So Ken and Roberta, from what I understand, this is from John. So I haven't confirmed this with Ken and Roberta, but be that what it may. And um, <laughs> so John's like, yeah, oh, Ken and Roberta, they, they wined and dined this guy and they got him absolutely trashed, absolutely <laughs> wasted. <laughs> and then they're just dri- they're, they're driving around Oakhurst, small town, and it's like one o'clock in the morning. And they just randomly pull up at the front of this house and go, you know what we should do? We should break into this house. <laughs> so, oh they, so they break into this house and then they see this little convertible sports car and like oh there's some paint over here and ken's drawing these big polka dots on this sports car oh, God. and wow. drive off put the guy on the plane the next morning what this guy didn't know was this was john's house so it's, it's ken's brother's house <laughs> <laughs> so and, and john was like fine that's you know whatever that's that's the story but it's it's just, just this great sort of um college campus sort of yeah. mentality frat house <laughs> mentality uh, but the, the funniest line that john said to me there was 
I think to this day, this guy thinks that one of the biggest CEOs in computers <laughs> had this reckless streak. They went out and just vandalized these random cars and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's brilliant, John. Absolutely love it. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, mm. I hope that I hope that guy never finds out that it was. A yeah. Well, if he buys the book, he might. Right. <laughs> I don't know. The company probably doesn't. The company probably doesn't even exist anymore if it was floppy disks. So you know. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Oh, that's really good. Oh, that's a great one. So, a lot of those great little stories like that. Uh, Ken, uh, sorry, Johnny, Johnny Williams gave me a lot of those, and um, Mark, um, Mark Hood, Mark Hood gave me a number as well. Mark was one of the. He started as a programmer and worked his way up till he was actually running the studio in Oakhurst, um, right up at the end in '99. So he gave me a few good ones too. There's a great one about the coals actually that Mark told me. Um, his first day in the office was he uh, he's sitting down in his cubicle and what had happened was he was driving in that morning and, you know, they're sort of country roads and he hits this deer. This deer just comes out of the fog and he hits this deer and kills it. And mm-hmm. uh, But the car's all right. He's in a big Jeep or something and he gets into, gets into work and so he's on the phone to, I guess, his wife or something. He's like, oh, I hit this deer, but the car's all right, and I'm all right, and blah blah blah. And he sees this uh, slightly balding guy step up over the petition and goes, "Did you say you killed a deer this morning? Where exactly was that?" And he's like, "I sort of told him. I didn't know who it was, and I sort of told him." And then he hangs up his call, and he's just listening. And this guy in the next cubicle—it's Corey Cole—and um, <laughs> Corey's on the phone to Laurie, going. Uh, yeah, there's a deer and it's at this point. Yeah, no, that's good. We can, yeah, if if you get its head, I'll boil the uh, skin off it, in, uh, you know, tonight. <laughs> and, and Mark's sort of like freaking out a little until he realises this is really common around that area. People would put the skulls, you know, animal skulls and stuff on their fence palings and um, yeah. it's just, it's a very common thing. It sounds weird to me living in suburban Australia, but um, it's a very common thing in the area. So it wasn't weird at all, but <laughs> it's like Mark's like, that's his introduction story to Sierra. So actually I've got, intro- I've got introduction stories. I just realized we've got a lot of introduction stories where people have first met someone from Sierra and it's Corey Cole on the other end of the <laughs> of first course. person he's met. Of course it is, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, some good ones there. Um, but yeah, like Josh Mandel, um, when he got to Sierra, the the house he rented was owned by the Coles. So, yeah. Oh, nice. Well, I got to ask: was it was it as difficult to get a hold of Ken Williams as I think it would be? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's the short answer. Yes, it was. Although I did not interview Ken anywhere near as much as I would have liked to. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day. You know, he's the founder and develop, you know, he's the mastermind behind the whole thing. And I would have liked to talk to him a bit more, but he was on his, I had a space of about two weeks when I was doing the interviews before he got on his boat to go to, I think, Canada at one point and then down to Mexico following that. And um, so that was, that was difficult. I, um, I didn't get to speak to Roberta at all. That's a big regret. Um, but you know, the book's researched as well, so hopefully it doesn't lose too much by those omissions. But I did get some, I did have some good conversations with Ken, but yes, they're very hard to get hold of. Mm-hmm. And, they, they, you know, they're busy and it was a long time ago. And that's the other thing that people forget. Yeah. It's, it's, 
in the grand scheme of things, a small portion of their life. Right. Yeah. And, and that's actually, I was shocked when you said that you even landed Ken. Like, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an, oh, to say it's an omission, not have a bird. I think it's incredible that you even got Ken Williams because yeah. most of the people reading the book that understand a little bit of the surface of the history of Sierra would know that they're famously reclusive and, and just, you know, basically just the the ghost of legends kind of thing. They're really hard to, to get a hold of. Mm -hmm. They don't like to, from what I understand, they don't really like to talk about the past so much. I know they, they kind of, they kind of came out of, uh, I don't want to say hiding, but came off the boat for a little bit to accept like a, a lifetime achievement thing uh, five, six years ago, whatever, and then kind of disappeared again. So, so good on you, mate, for getting, for getting Ken in the book. I think that's huge. Yeah. Well, I can thank his brother for that. <laughs> he gave me email address. So, um, yeah. But uh, look, I really, th there's a few people I couldn't, I didn't interview for the book and I'll, I'll be upfront about that. There's some people I really would have liked to speak to. Of course. But um, there's, a, there's a number of reasons. And I mean, I think for Ken and Roberta, they've probably gone over it so many times. You know, they probably, I, I don't know, and this is just me talking, but maybe they feel they don't have anything new to add right. to the story as well. You know, they're the people that have been interviewed a hundred times. They've told the story about, you know, sitting around the kitchen table designing mystery house and then, you know, buying the house up there and then this and that, and, you know, all of, all the things. So I, I think there's probably, I think it was really emotional experience as well. Um, and again, this is just something that I've picked up from other people and I guess just my own opinion but I really think it was a real emotional experience for Roberta in particular. Um, you know, she, when you design something, when you write something, there is that personal attachment to it, that emotional attachment to it. So to then, they didn't lose it all, but, you know, to then walk away from all of that would have been quite hard. Right. So I think there's a, I think there's a few things, a few reasons like that. Um, aside from them, uh, you know, they're fairly well off, I, I would I would say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think they're probably just enjoying life, you yeah. know, and wh why keep rehashing the past? So there's, a, there's those reasons. There was other people, there was some artists that, um, or some, some other people and designers and whatever that didn't want, I actually had some really nice replies that said, look, it's been so long ago, I don't remember an awful lot of detail that you'd be after. Um, you'll already have the broad strokes, and honestly, it's in the past. I'd, I've talked about it enough. Mm -hmm. um, and that was that was fine, and I appreciate that. And some people, I just, no matter how hard I tried, <laughs> I just couldn't get them yeah. to uh, respond to anything, which I guess is probably the same as the previous reason. They probably felt they've said it all, so. Um, and that's fine. I'm, you know, maybe a few of the big names that I missed will come out and say, hey, you didn't interview me for the book and um, I'll do a special edition and I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Who <Yeah>. knows? <laughs> or maybe a, or maybe a, a sequel or whatever you would call a sequel. it. Yeah. Mm. Roberta's story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Yeah, it's impressive you got so many of the, the kind of heavy hitters and legendary names from the industry you got because it's, you know, the way Sierra ended is, was notoriously quite messy and, and rather probably bitter that, that I could, it seemed like it would seem like a difficult task to, to, 
to get people to speak about it because of the way it ended rehashing a lot of uh, you know emotions and stuff like that so i i think uh it's impressive you got the amount of people you did that were happy to come forward and that's what makes the book so much more interesting there's such a shroud of kind of mystery over sierra there's there's just something about it you know you can't help but feel like you're missing part of the story so that's yeah. why i was so excited to hear that you were doing this book well i can't even think of any other book that really chronicles from beginning to end the sierra story i think a lot of people are very familiar with bits and pieces but you know a lot of a lot of what I've come across really just comes down to like forum posts, interviews, and like you know bits and pieces, as opposed to any one consolidated uh, reference book, which is basically here is the story of Sierra, here is this perspective all all these different people in different positions in the company, right, from beginning yeah, to someone, end. Someone should write that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, that's a good idea. I'll put that on my list of things to do. <laughs> it's um. It's yeah. Look, that was part of the problem. I think that uh, part of the reason I wrote it, not a problem, but part of the reason I wrote it was that there wasn't that story of it from beginning to end, and I had to make the decision to end sort of in '99 when they ended as a developer, because they did continue till 2008, and then there was the resurgence. While I was <laughs> um, yeah, while I was thinking and researching the book, there happened to be the resurgence of it, but um, <laughs> the the Activision bit, but um, we'll just won't talk about that. And <laughs> the, um, yeah, so there, there wasn't that there. There was a Stephen Levy back in like 82 wrote Hackers, which has a massive section on Sierra, which is really great for the first sort of probably two or three years of the Wild West version of Sierra um, prior to King's Quest 1. But, and as great as it is, and it's a brilliant read, and it's a really good book, um, it, it doesn't tell the whole story. No. doesn't tell the story that people remember. You say Sierra, people think, or generally, Leisure Suit Larry or King's Quest. They're sort of the two um, that I find people remember, mm -hmm. um, particularly Larry. Is, is, you know, guys tend to remember the Larry games. And it's, yeah, you know, those went around when, when Stephen Levy wrote that book. So, um, yeah. It was interesting finding out when I, when I lent the book, when, when I gave an early draft to Josh Mandel, he, he sent it back to me with a few notes and stuff. And he goes, you know, I haven't heard half these stories and I lived this. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> and I'm like, yes, that's a win. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. That's, you know, you did your job. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I know that you've, um, you've, um, smashed your, uh, Kickstarter goals there, but, uh, I guess this is also, uh, there's still a reason for people to go and, uh, and back the project if for nothing else to get to secure a copy of the book. Uh, are you looking for a, um, but, you know, a after it officially launches, once the the crowdfunding is done and all, is it going to be, uh, is it going to be available for retail sale? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, um, it'll be available as a electronic version, I guess, with all the, you know, the Amazons and all mm. that sort of stuff of the world. Um, there'll be hard copies available as well. Um, okay. People can, can, can order those. So yeah, it will be available for sale, um, you know. If there's any, you know, major publishers out there that would like to put it into bookshops, that'd be fine. I wouldn't say no, but <laughs> at the, yeah, at this stage, uh, it's sort of, it's self-published. Yeah. Because to be honest, I sometimes feel, you know, we're all part of that community, I guess. And sometimes I think it can feel a bit bigger than it really is. And yes. <laughs> so I was, a bit, I was a bit unsure of how many would sell or how popular it would be. 
And even though I've smashed the Kickstarter and that's fine, there's still only about 250 backers. So right. that's not an awful lot of copies of the book. So, right, yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's a great read. I think it's, I, I think it's um, really interesting. It'll be even better after the editor has been through it and fixed up my shoddy English. <laughs> but, um, and uh, he's Canadian, so he can spell properly as well, which is nice. <laughs> Nice. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so, um, yeah. As for the Kickstarter itself, yes, it's funded, and I guess you can get on it and use it as a, uh, you know, pre-order system, so to speak, at this stage. Yeah. Uh, I will be launching a uh, stretch goal. I've um, decided something I didn't touch on in the book uh, too much uh, and it was a decision just so the book didn't end up at, you know, 4,000 pages was <laughs> not to really touch on the subsidiary companies. So your dynamics and um, all, of, you know, impressions and all those Sorry. sort of companies that they had over the years. And so I have mentioned them because they are important to the story, but um, usually in regards to something else. So dynamics gets a bit of a run because both Josh and Mark Crow went to work there. Yeah. And so... I had that bit of a leg in there. Um, so one of the the first stretch goal, I think, or one of the stretch goals is I'm actually going to write a book about um, dynamics because I think that's a really interesting Oh, perfect. Yeah, well. absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's a good, um, uh, it's a good companion piece to, you know, the Sierra adventure. So I um, don't know what I call it yet. Mm-hmm. A dynamic adventure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the dynamics adventure. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just... Um, <laughs> That'll, that'll be a bit of a way off, so that'll probably be a 20, 2021 um, release by the time I get that done. But um, if people are still backing the backing the project, I'm more than happy. Sweet, um, yeah. You know, I'd like to do it, so why not? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Bright Star is another one I'd love to have a, have a look at because they concentrated a sort of on educational games. Uh, and there was a lot of crossover there as well. I had the um, I had the joy of chatting to Marsha Bale, who designed the Shivers games for Sierra. Yes, and um, which I reckon are very, you know, under respected those games or under you know people just don't know about them a lot of the yeah. time because they're not one of the big six, you know, the big six series. So that's right. It, there's not many people who know about it, but those who do are very very devoted fans. Love them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's so. a there's a lot of games from like nine, 96 onwards that get get mm. uh, overlooked. You know, people kind of turn mm. turn the cheek to adventure games around that time. Yeah, and then a lot of really good ones came out like Shivers. It's an awesome game. Yeah, Shivers Lighthouse is another one that I love. Sorry, um, yeah, I think that's brilliant. You know, it's a, it's basically a missed clone, but it's it's a missed clone that's done well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a thing. I think the problem is though, by that stage, I think Sierra was playing catch up. They weren't at the front. Yeah, that's right. So you get to the point where Lighthouse comes out, and it's obviously they're copying what have been really successful in Mist. Whereas five years previously, they were setting the pace, and that's people right. were copying them. I don't know when that. I, I still don't to this day know when that exactly changed, or it was just a gradual thing. But um, people have their opinions. And there's a whole chapter in the book where I just present those opinions from different people because it's very hard to make that decision for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. 
but yeah, no, um, yeah, Bright Star is an interesting one. I think I'd love to have a have a look at Bright Star and Dynamics, of course. I think they did some amazing stuff. If if only for Betrayal at Crondor, which I reckon is one of the greatest RPGs ever made. It, to this day, I think it holds up. I mean, the graphics are very boxy now, but uh, very blocky. But you know, oh, what an amazing, amazing piece of work. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's uh, and, and a huge game too, from what I understand. I know, uh, I know somebody mm. who um, uh, replayed it recently, and it just took like he was already familiar with it, and it just took him so long. He's just like this, is, like it's such a big game. It's massive. It's um, it's really huge. Particularly, I think there's like nine chapters in it, and chapter one is very open world, and you can travel the map, uh, you know, from top to bottom, and you're going into zones. You know, if you're like familiar, say, World of Warcraft and those sorts of games, you go into zones that are way above your level. Right. Um, and that's the sort of thing that happens in Grondor. You can get into areas that you really shouldn't be in at this point, <laughs> but they let you in there. Yeah. And it's it's um and it doesn't have any of those, you know, niceties like nowadays, um, where it warns you or <laughs> auto saves the game before combat or anything <laughs> like that. It's, yeah. it's it's ruthless. It is a ruthless game. So yeah. Yeah, and it's a great story, and I love the Raymond Feast stuff as well. So, and I think they played well in that in that universe. So, um, and there's a you know talking about the late nineties. There's another one, Return to Crondor, was a late nineties game, and that's a that's a great game as well. I don't right. think it's as good as Betrayal, but it's a great it's a, it's a great little game. So, there's there's a lot of stuff that happened around that era that just I don't know. I don't think they're bad games. I just think they start to get lost in the in the sea of so much, mm -hmm. so many games. I think it's a bit of the bit of the problem nowadays. It's even worse now. But uh, you, you look at the late '90s and computers had become almost a white good. You know, you you have your fridge, your freezer, and your computer. Yeah, and they're all bought in the same shop. Whereas ten years before that, you had to go to the special dingy little <laughs> shop that sold Apple Twos. And so, and you had to have a certain technical expertise or technical knowledge to operate, even the just thing, to use it. Yeah, DOS. DOS. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know the command, the line, you know, command-driven line. You yeah. know, the the DOS prompt and all that. So, yeah, I, I think the the change in the industry where it, it opened up. Mist is another one. Mist sold a million copies. It was the first million seller. Right. And suddenly what were massive hits for sierra something i did discover you, you look at those say uh, you know your larry games that would sell um you know quarter of a million copies and that's a massive hit but then you put that in an era where they're the biggest selling games that's great you build your business model around that then you move five years down the track where mist and um halo and you know, those sorts of games are pulling in a million, two million, three million sales, but your Larry's are still only selling a quarter of a million copies. Yeah. And they suddenly look right. like then... they're not hits, but they kind of still are. Right. Yeah, so... the ball got moved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the um, yeah, the ball got moved. The, the game changed. That's the nature of everything, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I... I'm incredibly excited for your book to come out. I uh, I cannot wait to uh, to read those stories. Um, especially uh, especially even getting a little bit of a sample, just talking to you 
uh, here today. Just uh, that sounds absolutely fascinating. Like I said, I never even heard. I, I don't think there is a book out there currently that cover that chronicles the uh, Sierra from start to finish. So this is just uh, um, this is a must-have for anyone. I think who uh, who is mm. a f- fan of Sierra, fan of the adventure games, or just like in the classic gaming community. So I, I really can't wait. Uh, what when do you when is uh, the book expected to release? Uh, I've put on the I've put on the Kickstarter mid next year, so mid twenty one, so you know about eight months away. Okay. Um, hopefully I'll get it out quicker than that. The um the thing about this Kickstarter is I've actually written the book. It's it's completely written. Mm-hmm. So right. all the all the real hard work, so to speak, is done. So the Kickstarter is to get mainly the editing and the and the cover. I spoke to my editor this morning and I said, look, we're already funded. Would you like to start? And he's like, sure. <laughs> so, um, you know, and that'll, that'll be a long process in itself. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's really but, great too, because, uh, you know, there's, um, uh, there's a lot of people who are a little bit gun shy about Kickstarter because of so many uh, projects that don't really uh, come mm-hmm. to fruition or they take a, a very long time, but you know, they can, uh, they can back with confidence now because they know that, you know, it's going to happen. And it's just a matter of how soon. Yeah, exactly. So I I really do want – I've tried to organize it. I know rewards are always a massive pain in the backside when it Mm -hmm. comes to Kickstarters as well, reward fulfillment. Um, So obviously the sooner I can get that done, my budget works because the prices won't go up. (laughs) Right, yeah. And, you know, that's been a a major issue for people. I know that. And – it's just getting it out to people because I'm using a print-on-demand service. I can actually go straight from the printer to the to the customer, so to Perfect. speak. So um, it doesn't come through me, which is a saving time and b avoiding a lot of problems, you know, postage problems and that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, that'll be good. Well, uh, just before we wrap up, is there anything you would like mm-hmm. to give? Any shout-outs or any little uh, any last words? Uh, yeah. Look. Um, I just, I guess, I really just want to thank everyone who's supported the campaign so far. It's really blown me away how quick it's funded, um, how much interest there is. I um, am certainly planning over this weekend. I'm settling on some stretch goals and uh, some further tiers for people who've missed out on the autographed copies and that sort of thing. So that'll be um, that'll happen over the next few days as well. I'm just, I, I guess, really humbled by just the support for it i'm really happy mm-hmm. and i'm really happy that people are actually going to be able to read it and enjoy these stories um you know time's moving on these people yeah. won't always be with us and it's good to um you know get the get it all down and get it in place so yeah so i guess yeah at the end of the day just thanks thanks for the support and um, keep an eye on it if you want to upgrade your pledge to one of the newer tiers when i get some of those autographed copies that people have been been after (laughs) we'll um we'll do that yeah awesome sounds great all right well uh thank you all for joining us again uh as always you can find us on facebook classic gamers guild uh we have a page we have a group we have a twitter at the cg guild uh we have a patreon if you'd like to support the show uh and otherwise uh we will see you next time we will put a link to the Kickstarter in the description to check out. And also, don't forget to check out Sean's infamous quest projects, infamous-quest.com. And thank you all for listening. Thank you, Sean. And nobody do a murder out there. Mm-hmm.